Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to the year 2023 and regular season baseball in two days. My name is Ian Eskridge. We are here on another day of White Sox Daily Live. I'm here with my co-host, D. Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, doing pretty well. You know, like you say, uh, we're a uh, little less or little. Yeah, a little less than uh, two days away from uh, the start of the regular season. And uh, I am, uh, you know, let me back this train up just a little bit. As much as we dumped on the organization since, uh, oh, I don't know, since the middle of, you know, the season before last, middle of the 2021 season, uh, I am uh, cautiously optimistic about what I am going to be seeing on the field for the White Sox this year. So having said that, I'm feeling pretty good and, uh, you know, just looking forward to uh, getting a regular season rolling here. How about you, man? How you doing? Pretty much the same, you know. Uh, I'm ready for regular baseball. Uh, minor league season starts on Friday. Um, the Knights will be playing on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. I'll, I'll put it there. Um but you know i'm i'm kind of at the point where i'm just going to let it go and try and be happy for a little while uh until they give me a reason to not be and uh, i don't know if you saw that uh quote from pedro garfall about uh you know forgetting everything about last year and allowing them uh, a little bit of a uh, reprieve from that and kind of giving it an open mind uh, for this season, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, you know, it was kind of uh, you know, let the uh, past live in the past, and let's uh, you know, judge the White Sox on what they bring to the table this year. And I'm all for it, man. Until they uh, break my heart again, <laughs> in which case, uh, you know. All bets are off, and uh, dumping season is in full effect. So, you know, I'm prepared for either at this point. Let's, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now. Uh, You know, like we said, same thing with Rick Hahn. You know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the time being. Uh, You know, but the the moves of the offseason, or should I say lack thereof, uh, you know, aside from a couple of signings, Hey. Hey, Amber, always annoyed. Thanks for the sub. Appreciate it. Yeah, much much appreciated. But uh yeah, you know, I uh I'm uh, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I I'm it's going to be, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go right, right back to what I was talking about earlier shows here where I said uh you can call me Missouri cuz right now I'm show me. And uh if you don't, well, be prepared for some uh expletive Laden alliteratives. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I well, I, you know, you're. I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna wait a little while on on, uh, on judgment of the whole thing. I want to see what the Pedro Grafal effect is. The Grafal effect. That's a that's a fun the one. Grafal effect. Grafal effect. What's up, Juki? How you doing, Juki? 
Chicago Sun-Times ranking on the Cubs and Sox uniforms. I did not see that. I have not seen that either, you know. But then again, I kind of typically stay away from uh, the two bigger, the two, you know, the two uh, larger publications that I like to call rags here in Chicago. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, sometimes you get good stuff, sometimes you get bad stuff. There's only, you know, I don't know. Half the time I I look at it and kind of think it's silly. Other times it isn't half bad, but uh, yeah, it depends on who's writing it. it. I was going to say, it's nothing against the writers per se. I just feel like there's a, uh, you know, I shouldn't say I feel like anything. It's just, it it seems as though there's a certain uh, spin that those guys like to put on everything. That's probably because they want to keep their jobs more than anything. Uh, More often than not, you don't really find a lot of those uh, bigger uh, publication writers wanting to uh, really call things out for what they are. So I think maybe that's where my disdain, I shouldn't say disdain, but you know, just my nonchalant feeling about them. I think that's where that comes from. Like, you know, stop uh, sugarcoating stuff and let's, you know, call a spade a spade, but you know, and that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, you know, it's not like the, the white Sox have gone out of their way to, uh, try and get any affection from any of the media in this town for the most part, you know? So they certainly don't go out of their way to do it. That's for sure. Um, so I, you know, I will say that, uh, my favorite coverage and the, the best coverage of the White Sox in Chicago is James Fegan. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, like, uh, Van Scowen and, uh, and Merkin do an okay job as well. I don't, I don't mind those guys, but you know, when you start seeing Paul Sullivan articles and stuff like that, uh, I'm out. <laughs> oh, and the old bootlicker. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's that as well, but uh, not going. Not, not going to mention any. Yeah, not, not going to get into that. Partubular, part partubular names and anything like that. Um, I'm sorry, particular part. Yeah, that's it. Particular names. Yeah, Juki. I I don't know if you can if you can put the link in the in the chat because uh, I don't see any uh, I don't see anything blocking you. So if you can drop that in there, I'll certainly go take a look at it. Um, as will I. Um. So. Yeah, spring training ends today. Um, Kopech gives up a couple of home runs, and uh, not there we go. Look at that. Um, you know, all thing you know, all things considered, I didn't think he really had a, a bad outing. Um, a couple of at bats got away from him, but um, you know, he kept his pitch count down for the first couple of innings, and I felt like after that, he kind of started to. Uh, labor a little bit more in counts and um you know all things considered as he is the starter for opening day uh for the home opener um i have to say i'm happier to see him than uh clevenger that's for sure that that start from him yesterday was brutal to watch conquer yeah um and you know it's like uh you know, again, it's spring training, but this is like we're looking at the 
you know the 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 get revved up start the one that's supposed to be prepping him to to launch into the season and that guy could not hit the broad side of a barn with any of his pitches yesterday so that was that was ugly to watch and yikes um, yeah well i believe you said something along the lines of when uh discussing it in a chat that uh you know imagine how uh, a uh, an opposing hitter can uh, know that the fastball is coming right down uh, middle middle when he up into count three zero. Yeah, I, it's know? like Imagine every that. count, <laughs> every every at bat. <laughs> you know, the guys were up like almost three zero. You know, it was yeah, that was that was an ugly game to watch, and um, you know, I mean, not that uh, spring training results really you know matter because you're switching out all your guys and everything throughout the entire thing. And the last two games in particular, they've been doing that. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I'm you know, obviously not worried about it, but it was nice to see some of the younger guys come through yesterday. Um, I will get to the, uh, to the roster in a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, sitting at 33, waiting for that final shoot a drop. Yeah, um, and out from from what uh, I think it was James Fegan mentioned, uh, I think on a interview on the score that I heard is that they're not going to basically put out the twenty six man until they've done their uh, their run through in Houston. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of that's a heck of a way minute, to. Huh? Uh... Yeah, heck of a way to go. So uh, basically, you're telling me you're going to ask these last handful of guys to show up in Houston and do the Wednesday workout tomorrow? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly before what they're you, saying. Uh, before you decide to give a handful of them the X? I mean, I guess whatever. You, you want to give these guys up to the very last minute to prove themselves, but uh, I would imagine that uh, most of the decisions – at this point, have already been made. So why even go to that? I mean, honestly, are are any of these races that close? Or is this a decision that's coming from well above the manager? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think that they've actually given him quite a bit of control over things. Um, you know, the report's coming out that Larry Garcia will not be on the 26th man to start the season. And I, although we are still waiting confirmation. Yeah, of course we are. But like the thing that I'll say is that, yeah, we're waiting for that, but I, I don't know. Let's, I don't think that I, I think that Pedro Grafal's seen enough of that nonsense and doesn't want to have anything to do with it. You know? And it's just I, it's just my personal opinion. To me, it just seems like, um, you know, he's seen enough of the stupid things that he does on the field, and there's not. Um, I I don't think that he's going to put up with that nonsense. You know, just like the the mental weakness and uh, lack of fundamental baseball from that guy. And it's not like, you know, he didn't see that last year or the year before that. I mean, the guy's always been like more or less a fundamental train wreck, you know. Um, 
yeah, he can play a bunch of positions, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure you you saw me say that you know uh, his only real skill is his flexibility to play many positions badly and consistently <laughs> find the worst baseball IQ play possible. You know, yes. like that is his that is his skill set, and um, it, yeah. I think that uh, you, you would think that a you know lifelong baseball guy would see the same thing. You know, is that yeah, the guy does have uh, he, he's not a uh, guy who shouldn't be in baseball, but he's probably a four A guy. You know, because his fielding's not good enough. And his hitting's not good enough to make up for the other. Right. So right. what spot does he have if he doesn't excel in any one of those facets of the game? And the guy can't, you know, and his base running's awful as well. Right. And, you know, I've seen the argument, uh, uh, you know, against Romy for some of those same reasons, except uh, those arguments would be wrong because Romy is not a defensive liability. And Romy probably has the type of power where he can hit you. Oh, I don't know, twenty plus a season if he gets uh, a good run of health and uh, is feeling good about himself and and where he's at. Sure, he might hit you at two thirty five, two forty. I don't really care. Is his OPS seven hundred as a second baseman with twenty twenty two twenty four dingers and. 70 RBIs, you know, oh, sign me up. We haven't had a second baseman do that. And I don't know forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I, (laughs) I, I don't think anybody's unseating Elvis Andrus, but, um, you know, the, the way he's been hitting, I'm not worried about it. This is true. You know, I, the last year he hit 17, I think, uh, 17 home runs. And uh, obviously, you know, I think he hit like nine of them with the Sox. Um, yeah, nine in like the, just the last two months of the season or less. Yeah, he's. I mean, he said he found that uh, that issue that he got uh, when he broke his elbow. <laughs> I mean, that would obviously a semi-important area for a baseball swing and elbow. Um, he found what the change in his swing was that stopped his uh his power production from you know 2017 and 18 where he was hitting you know 20 home runs ish so i i wouldn't be surprised if you see you know 15 home runs out of him um did you happen to catch uh that uh my spot on the uh from the 108 uh, no, stream. and you know the crazy thing was was uh, you did tell me that it was coming up, and uh, you know it was weird because right after you told me it was coming up, I kind of nodded off right in front of the television, and I woke up probably about an hour and a half later, <laughs> and I went, "Oh man, I missed that." Uh, and I'm guessing that there is a recording of that somewhere. Which I will uh, have to go back and yeah, I've got it somewhere. I think have a listen, but uh, yeah, you, you warned me it was coming up, and it was coming up like within a few minutes of, of when we talked about it. Yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, I felt early. bad. I didn't have the heart to tell you before now because I was like, you know, eh. I don't care. I don't care about you. And I'm not going to watch it. So, whatever. well, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want you to feel that way. Uh, it just happened to be that it was one of those days where I, you know, was I was happy and comfortable for once in in the you know the evening hours instead of uh, just getting. Uh, to a point where maybe I was starting to settle down. You know what I mean? It was, it was nice to be relaxed and well, the body kind of just told me, Hey, we're not going to keep the eyes open anymore. So. All right. So I just want to point out that we got push a robot coming in here, trying to dunk on us for spring training games that the Cubs won. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) To be honest with you, I stopped. I'm not looking at the stream right now. So I apologize folks. Uh, If you're in the chat, it's not that I'm ignoring you, but I, Actually went ahead and opened up that uh, article that uh, Juki linked us into. So oh, yeah, I have it up. I just just been kind of sitting on that for a moment here. John Rudels, hello, sir. Good evening, Rudels. Yeah, uh, Pusher. I don't know. I mean, like they they kind of played like head to head, pretty much through all spring training. I think they tied twice and they played four times. I think the White Sox won one. Cubs won one, and I think they tied twice, if I remember correctly. Ladder Enjoyer mentions, Romy finished with more home runs in spring than any AL player, even after a slow start and a week plus off. Yeah, he did hit six, and uh, Sebi had five. They were tied until today, I believe. I think, yeah, because, uh, yeah, Vaughn hit the other home run today. So... um, I know that you've I think seen pretty the good, even if it is spring. The uh, the angst over the uh, the, the Romy rostering decision, um, you know. Yep. You know that I have been a Romy guy for a couple of years now, and um, I'm I'm stoked that he's getting a that he's getting a chance, you know, to uh, to get on the I roster and well. do something. You know, I am uh, as well. First you guy. Know, there's there's the, oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's that one particular uh, Romy offender that uh, we, we, we brought up Center. last week. There you go. Even better word. Romy dissenter. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's not alone. There's a lot of folks out there that are like, oh, this guy hits 220 and has a 35% K rate. And I'm going, yeah, well, you know what? Leary's got a 35% K rate, too. Well. I don't know if it was I, that I, high. I think it was like 28% 30. or 25% oh, was, last year, but whatever. Even, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It you doesn't. Uh, even last year when Romy comes back, you know, he gets the, uh, he gets a back injury in spring training. And while rehabbing, you know, waiting for his, uh, his back injury to heal, he gets COVID. And then when he finally starts feeling better from that, he has a tooth infection that, like, basically drops him out for like two or three weeks, something like that, from uh, from playing, and uh, and then after that, he needs an appendectomy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll give him a pass because last year when he came up to the Sox, um, he was not ready. You know, I like he he came to Charlotte and then they sent him. I, I if I remember correctly, I think he went back to Arizona and uh, worked with uh, Devin DeYoung in Arizona, 
and they figured out one of the issues with his swing. And then he went back to Charlotte, but the guy was still like 15 pounds lighter or something like that. After dealing with all of that nonsense in a row, uh, you know, he was he was weak. Yeah, it was one you know? thing right after the other. Just one right after the other. He just could not catch any kind of a break last season. Yeah, no, I was the the absolute worst medical season for not like one one injury that I think of like for just like the 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 most random things that you could put together in a season. I think that that's pretty much about it. So, um, yeah, and he finished. I think he finished hitting like two ninety four or something like that. Uh, let me take a look here, right quick. Yeah, and you know, aside from the you know the little back strain or whatever that he had early in the season, none of none of the rest of that stuff was baseball related. It was all just bad, bad luck in his part with illnesses and tooth, you know, abscess teeth and covid and i mean what a tough break for him you know what i mean yeah just just continually getting kicked in the pants sorry he hit 250 for for spring training and i'll take 250 from from romy gonzalez especially if he's gonna hit uh six home runs in what uh 10 like 15 games i guess he played in 20 um so but uh, you extrapolate that by eight, you got forty-eight home runs. That's not happening. But uh, you know, th- you can see that the that the power is back this season, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. And I guess you know, like, I'll just go ahead and do this right now. Um, yeah, pull that up. There he is. Pull that up. So are we? See you. Yeah. Uh, our We See You White Sox player for the week is Romy Gonzalez. Right um, I think that uh, I'll let these two things uh, speak for themselves. Yeah, you know, I like that We See You segment. And uh, the fact that it is Romy this week is a whole lot of suck it haters. <laughs> for me, it is, you know, like, I mean, I've been talking about the kid for ages you know like i'm just uh you know like you don't you don't luck into a 900 ops season in birmingham of all places um just you know you you don't luck into that kind of thing that takes uh something and then he goes to charlotte and he had like a something like a 1200 ops so um you know his 2021 campaign was amazing and then last year completely and totally derailed. So I, I yeah. the thing that drives me nuts about uh most of the the people who are saying that they don't want him is that they're judging him on last year's stats. And last year's right. stats are as far as I'm concerned they're pretty close to irrelevant. Um so I'm going to go ahead yeah, and bring and up uh these most of that stuff here. is outliers for his uh you know for his very short minor league career uh and even shorter major league uh career the handful of appearances that he's made but you know that last season was the outlier so give the guy a shot will you yep all right so here is yesterday uh Romy comes up uh 
if I remember correctly, it was pinch hitting in the uh, in the ninth. I think, if I remember correctly, I don't know. But uh, here goes that. The pitch. That's clubbed. Left center field. Way back and way gone. And listen to the guy in the background. He is awesome. Romy Gonzalez will remember that one. Three-run blast. White Sox making it a ball game. Cubs lead 6-4 to four here in the ninth. I'll tell you who else will remember that. That's a cool. The pitch. All right, so there was that one um, from yesterday. And then today he comes up and. Um, Sloan Park. Another on one in the, uh, in the top of the first. We'll go ahead and bring that one up now. Don't get the uh, commentary from the guy behind the dugout, though, unfortunately. What a offering. That's Sky, left center field. PCA races back at the wall. It's gone. Romy Gonzalez having a nice 24 hours here at Sloan Park. Home run in the ninth inning yesterday. And a solo home run in the first inning today. It's one nothing. Yeah, so um, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned... Uh, he, he, you know, he did, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, he did strike out a little bit more than, um, than obviously than you'd like to see, uh, this, this spring. And he had a couple of games where he, you know, particularly had some ugly swings and ugly at bats, but, uh, you know, it's spring training and, uh, he's a young guy and I kind of, you know, expect that. I expect to see him have his struggles and there's going to be some guys that are going to figure out, you know, uh, a way to, to beat him. And it's probably going to be the high fastball. And then he's going to have to make some adjustments to, uh, getting beat by that. And, you know, I had, uh, one person comment on, on a tweet that said, you know, Oh, it seems like he only hits mistakes and, uh, and then drives the ball the other way. And I'm like, well, they, teach you to hit to right center field or right up the middle and one thing that the white Sox haven't done in years are your eyeballs okay yeah i think i got a dog hair in one of them believe uh, it or not um you know those pesky pesky canines that i get going on here <laughs> yeah speaking of which uh there were a couple moments already during this uh this stream for those of you who are watching live uh yeah, I had myself muted while I was uh, disciplining one of my uh, mouthy. Dog. Yeah. Well, you know, she likes to talk back. And, you know, I think she wants to get on the stream like she likes to do from time to time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the one thing that the uh, get back to that um, one thing that the White Sox have seriously lacked in over uh, the last at least last season, probably into the, you know, last half of 2021 is that they don't hit pitchers mistakes hard. And that is one thing that Romy definitely does. If there's a, if there is a mistake pitch or a concrete mixer, generally he hits it pretty stinking hard. And uh, I don't care whether it goes to right center or left center or right field or left field. If he hits it hard, I could care less. Um, and he do he do do that, so um, I'll take it. 
So, yeah. Stoked for him. Hopefully, uh, you know, he puts his best foot forward and uh, have a good season out of him. Um, yeah, so Pusher brings up the uh, JT Real Muto uh, ejection, which actually I should probably bring that up because that's, that's funny. That, that was <laughs> a comical. I watched John Boy's breakdown of that. I did. And, I did. Uh, yeah, it. you know, I, I had to comment. Yeah, it's three and a half there. minutes long. I don't want to bore people with that, but uh No, no. I mean, but the breakdown was perfect. I mean, the lip reading that this guy does is insanely accurate. Yeah. I mean, uh, at least I would think it And was. it was it, yeah, well, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it, <laughs> well, if you're if you're looking at it, you're going, that's pretty much what exactly what was said. Yeah. But uh, uh, I had to make the comment on that on that uh his YouTube video and I said uh yeah, that's the look of an umpire's face who uh, realizes he's going to be, he's going to make a John Boy breakdown video. Because <laughs> he, at the end, he looked like, oh, did I, did I just blow that? Did I screw that up? <laughs> yeah, he totally dropped the ball on that. He says, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Juki Hollick says, more like Grumpire. Um, wah, wah. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring that up in case you have not seen it. It is funny. <laughs> oh, you know what I need You know what I need to do? I need to stop being a cotton-headed ninny muggins and unmute this thing. Oh, ninny muggins. All right, here we go. Oh, so that's on Kimball. I don't think Craig Kimball was thrilled about that call. Did not look amused, did he? Kimbrough says, I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. And the umpire felt like Remuto took a ball. So that's oh, that's Kimbrough. fantastic. I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. And oh, that is quick. Glorious. Quick hook. Remuto's like, what? Really? Yeah, that was. I mean, like uh, of any uh, of any objection or ejection, that was the probably the quickest one <laughs> that I've ever seen. It and, was a really quick hook. <laughs> and Real Muto just looks back and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> and for those Hilarious. of you that don't know that have seen this, that is the first time in JT Real Muto's professional career. That he has been launched from a game. Yeah, he seems like a first in his career. Easy going dude. Uh, it, probably <laughs> one of another one of my favorite uh, baseball clips that you find on the internet is uh, when the reliever happens to be when the reliever runs in, and JT Real Muto is just shaking his head as the guy's sprinting towards the mound, and then the guy proceeded to get lit up. Good stuff. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, let's see here. Uh, Juki says, uh, Raleigh Fingers trended on Twitter. I wonder what would Raleigh Fingers trend on Twitter for, um, other than just an awesome mustache. Um, yeah. What is the best. best baseball player name? Oof. Steel I mean, Walker. Yeah, Steel Walker. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, Buster Posey. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, That's a tough one. Says he likes Daryl Strawberry. 
Um, I always thought Buster Posey was a good baseball name. I'm trying to remember why. There's, there's been some. There's been some. Uh, I mean, there's a, of course there was uh, Razor Shines, which was a really good one. Played for the Expos back in the '80s. Yeah, uh, Buddy Kennedy. Oh, Buddy Kennedy. Sky Bolt. That is a that is a really good name. That was one of my favorites. Sky Bolt. And uh, I I had. Uh, I had more grandiose plans for Sky Bolt, and he has let me down. He's been you know, mm. got, got uh, jettisoned from the A's, and uh, I forget who he's on now. But uh, we just played him the other day, and I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Coco Crisp, uh, Milton Bradley. That was another fun one. Milton Bradley was always a fun one. Yes. Um. Yeah, baseball name names are is definitely one of the one of the fun things about baseball for sure. Um. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and bring up this uh, this Cubs White Sox uniform thing here. Some of the uh, some of the nicknames. Well, I can't do that because I'm not uh, I'm not a registered uh, I'm not a registered viewer. Wah, wah. Uh, reader mode. Oh, does does that work on this too? Yeah, it sure Jeez does. Please, man. How do these people not? Oh, you know what? I can't do it on my uh, computer though. I don't think, or at least I don't know how to. I wish I knew how to on the uh the old PC, but I don't see that uh I don't see that button that you see on the um the old interwebs on the uh browser on the, on the phone. Uh, the old, yeah. That's unfortunate. I guess I could give you a quick rundown of the list. Oh, no, John Rudels, I did actually not know that. So apparently Marcus Stroman was on steroids when he was a prospect. Or at least got some sort of a, uh, I would assume, some sort of a, a ped suspension of some sort. Maybe he felt like he had to. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up now, Rudels. I'm not going to look it up now, but... Um, yeah, what are you doing, Wagner? Uh, speaking of what are you doing, yeah. Wagner, um, did you happen to catch any of the uh, Hawk interview on... Um, AJ's foul territory. I did not. I only heard that uh, he did not pull any punches about uh, basically he did not retire. He was kind of forced to retire. And I heard that, uh, you know, he wasn't exactly. uh, He was fired, not retired. He wasn't what he said. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't PC about or wasn't, you know, at least PC for the organization. Yeah. Um. According to uh, one Hawk Harrelson, uh, the White Sox are not going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to win the division. The uh, Guardians will. Um, When Pedro Grafal was mentioned, he's like, I don't even know who that is. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was was interesting. Um, Oh, look at that. For band stimulant. Marcus Stroman, 50 games. Yikes. Well, there we hmm. go. Um, yeah, so there was that. Uh, whoa. What's going on there? Did you hear that? Uh, my audio cut out? No, that's my... That's a stupid cable. Um, I was going to say, I don't hear anything. Uh, yeah, uh, no. Well, I, I, actually, I hear everything. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
there was a player that pitched in the 30s for the White Sox named Sugar Kane. That is wonderful. Um, yeah, so he says uh, also uh, he absolutely straight up murdered Brooks Boyer on the podcast. Like, you can tell that there is uh, a severe dislike for uh, Brooks Boyer, the head of the marketing for the White Sox. Um, I just, I'll just suggest that you guys go over and check it out if you guys haven't listened to it. It's, uh, it's an interesting listen. You know, of course, you get the uh, Hawk stories, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a national. You know, at least it's. I don't know exactly how national it is as of yet. Uh, I didn't. I haven't looked at the. Um, oh yeah, oil can boy. That's a good one. Um, you know, I I don't know exactly how many you know subscribers they have or whatever, and how national it is. You know, obviously AJ is going to get the the White Sox fans to come in on board for him on Twitter. Um, but uh, you know, you get the the hawk stories that you would expect to get for a national, you know, podcast or stream because they haven't heard the, uh, the batting glove stories and stuff like that. You would, I would imagine anyway. Um, but all that stuff's on there and it's, uh, you know, there's some, some extra little tidbits in there that I did not know, uh, when he tells the story. So it's, it's, it's cool. And it was a, it's a good listen and AJ's entertaining and him, him and his, uh, his, his guys on there get into, uh, little arguments and it's fun. So, um, I might have to drive out to Indiana where they're doing their thing over there. Cause I, th- I think they're in Indiana. I might have to go over there and fix their audio situation over there. Cause their microphones woof. But, uh, Not bad, huh? yeah, it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> as an, as an AV professional, I am, uh, I get triggered pretty easily when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, well, yeah. thank God you're on our side here, because uh, you know I'm not going to say that uh, I don't listen to our show just to kind of go back and you know, uh, you know, hear the quality. And I don't even know why that I'm worried about the quality because every week it is absolutely brilliant. Ladder enjoyer says the White Sox have landed in Houston, and we are less than 48 hours from first pitch. Indeed, we are. Yeah, I'm Indeed looking forward we are. to it. Um, now, obviously, uh, to get back to the uh, the roster stuff, um, yesterday, uh, Hanser Alberto was hit on the f- I, what I thought was uh, the fingers, um, and uh, you know, everybody was uh, immediately the Leuri memes on White Sox Twitter immediately started flowing. And uh, there were all sorts of uh, tribute videos and uh, all sorts of stuff popping up on Twitter. And, um, you know, probably about four hours later, the White Sox released a press st- a press statement saying, Hanser is fine. <laughs> so get that out of your mind there, Larry, I think is kind of what that uh, that whole thing was. So, uh, you think, <laughs> I mean, you know, there, you know, like, it's like that happened and Larry started unpacking his bag on the bench, you know, and, uh, yeah. starting to get comfortable again. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not happening. 
Um, <laughs> pusher uh, mentions, uh, if you are a T-Mobile person, MLB.TV, free for the year. Uh, that promotion's today. Um, so if you know somebody that's got T-Mobile, even if you don't, reach out. Befriend them. Some more. Give them five bucks. Say, hey, go buy yourself a coffee and uh, give me that code. I and need that login. Up. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that you've got some uh, somebody you know that's got T-Mobile that doesn't like baseball. Uh, so, yeah, talk to them. Get their, get their code. And uh, they'll uh, send you a link over, and all you got to do is sign in, and it'll say, hey, you got a free year of uh, MLB TV. And I, one thing that I'm not certain about um, – because they are doing the MILB package as part of MLB.tv this year in the subscription fee, I'm not sure if MIL, you know, if, if uh, First Pitch, if that app is free because of that login. I don't know. Um, that's one thing that I do have to check in. It would be nice to not have to pay for, you know, MILB stuff. But. I will regardless, so it really doesn't matter. But uh Yeah, right. Yeah. Um or so you could, you uh you could go the route of some other folks who uh maybe doing the old uh jailbreak. Well, yeah. Ooh, I mean of we're course not you can talk do. about that. Yeah, you know, you can you can be uh it's you can illegal. be shady about it, you know. That's I'm not gonna tell you what to do. You know? You can go ahead and tell you how to live your life. Yeah, you tell me how to live my life. Yeah, you go ahead and look up that uh, (laughs) those those sites on the internet. You can find places where you can watch the games, especially you know. And you know, like I will say, especially being a person that puts out content a lot, is that with the blackout rules, if you want to do that, you have to find some way around it. Right. You know. Some people can do it. Other people can't figure it out. But, uh, you know, if you want to do that kind of thing. So apparently uh, I'm getting from Letter Enjoyer and Juki both saying that uh, the at-bat does give you MILB. So, I've uh, been hearing that for a few weeks now. And, uh, you know, but then again, I question. I, you can't believe everything you hear. You know well, what I mean? I mean, I they said that the it was going to. They said it was going to. But the thing that I that I'm not 100% clear on is whether T-Mobile's free one that they give out, if that's, you know, if there's like some sort of a, um, you know, like a... Some kind of paywall Because it's T-Mobile, yeah. you know. But uh, I kind of right. doubt it. It's probably it's probably included. The White Sox. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jimenez in... Uh, the guardians are resigning him to an extension and apparently it's uh you know from what i saw or at least earlier today said it was over 100 million dollars for his uh for his extension speaking of those uh those same guardians uh tristan mckenzie do you see that he's got a uh i'm not i trying to remember it's uh terry's major muscle he's got a strained muscle so he's shut down for 2 weeks and they're saying that it might possibly be eight weeks until he makes it back into game shape. Yeah, that that hurts. Yikes! I mean, you know, I'm not going to shed a tear about it, but uh, I feel, no. you know, I 
I can feel for the person. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But, yep. you know, if it's going to help the White Sox, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Yep. Jukies uh, says he can't watch the Royals on on the uh, on the at bat, but at least he can watch the Storm Chasers. That is true. Um, yeah, blackout rules stink. Twins and Sox fans seeing this news first time. Way to promote your game, MLB. We yeah, want to reach all the new markets we can possibly reach. We want to use the World Baseball Classic as a promotional stepping stone to bring our game to everyone in the world, except for the people at home who have been passionate about it for years and years and years. We're gonna we're gonna keep you in the dark as much as possible, unless you give us more of your hard earned money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like I the the blackout thing's the worst, man. And I, like I get That's it, ridiculous. you know. I get it from the uh the advertiser, you know, the local advertiser's point of view and everything. But uh, you know, if it's going to be a a local broadcast, just go ahead and do the local, you know, like the local broadcast on the stream. You know, it's like it, you can you can just go ahead and go and you know if if you've got a regular TV subscription here in in Chicagoland area, you can watch it on the NBC Sports app. So it's not the end of the world, but it's still you know with everybody cutting the cord and whatever. You know, there's a bunch of people that have to go and do it, and then if you you know you can get uh, YouTube TV, but then you have to put in your location and whatever, I guess, and there's still blackouts, so. Yeah, there's, uh, it's just, you would think with all the new technology these days that there would be ways around all of that. And fortunately, MLB and the advertisers can't seem to get on that technological page together. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not like it's 2023 or anything. Like, you can figure something um, out. Figure out some way to do this, you know? It's right. just a... You know, antiquated, uh, antiquated system for when everybody was, uh, you know, tied to a terrestrial antenna, more or less. So, uh, yeah, I see this. The uh, Chuki says he asked a coworker back in the day why he was such a Cubs fan. He told him that WGN was the channel that gave them baseball games, and that's the you know that's the thing. That's why. When we talk about the Northsiders and the national following that they have across the country, I mean, WGN was the most widely syndicated uh, public station in America for many, 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 many years. And it didn't matter where you were in the country in the middle of the afternoon, especially before 1988 when every game for the Cubs, every home game for the Cubs was a day game. You could turn on WGN in the middle of the afternoon and find a Cubs game on almost all summer long. Yep. And uh, that really was a, a big, big part of, you know, why they have such a huge fandom. So, you know, there's there's a reason for that. And then there's the other side of that coin where, you know, the uh, White Sox tried to do the on TV thing. Yikes. And Sports Vision. 
What a, I mean, what a nightmare. Yeah. Honestly, they did the exact opposite back in the eighties and early nineties. <laughs> yeah, it, totally. I mean, between WGN and, and TBS, you know, it was like everybody in the far corners of any, like, yeah, it was Braves in the and middle Cubs of everywhere. nowhere. It was Braves and Cubs, you know, and that was, you know, it's <laughs> like there was three teams that if you're in the middle of nowhere, you were either a team of the Yankees, Braves or Cubs. You know, and Yankees just because, or Braves and Cubs because you could, you know, you know, kids come home from school and either the Braves or the Cubs are on TV every single day. Right. So. Right. It was all summer long. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. So, uh, Giolito looking really good. Cease looking much, much better again. You know, it was like. The first to second start was incremental, but after that, it's been like pretty big steps, and he looks like he's he's ready to go. Uh, Lance Lynn, okay. Um, I'm not worried about him. He's still gonna end up going, you know. As long as as long as he doesn't, you know, screw up his knee again or something like that, you know, probably looking at. Uh, no, and you know, he, I'm sorry. No, you're good. I just, you know, he. Uh... I would say he looked pretty stinking fantastic in the uh, WBC. So, you know, uh, we could take his, you know, one or two starts with the Sox in spring and say, all right, it was, it was okay. But he might, you pile that up with the WC, the WBC uh, appearances he made and, and say he looked pretty stinking good, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, the 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 last guy that I'm really worried about is Lance Lynn out of this rotation, um, just because he's got you know, he's got an established track record. You know, obviously the knee last year in spring training was uh, unfortunate, but uh, you know for the most part, like he's you know since he had the TJ surgery in what like 2016, I think. Or yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Uh, since he had that, I mean, you know, looking at uh, consistent like 200 ish innings a year. So, um, yeah, led the league three years in a row in uh, innings pitched. I believe it was. All right. So, Pusher saying T Mobile free definitely works for MILB. How do you like that? Well, so, that's good stuff. Look at that. Yeah. See, way to be Johnny on the spot pusher and, uh, you know, get it done while we're here on the on the old live stream. Yeah, so Thankins brings up, he thinks that Lynn has another good year or so in him, but thinks the drop-off is inevitable. That's that's the thing that I'm afraid of as well, and that's one of the things that you also have to think about with his contract coming to an end here. Um, do you want to, uh, you know, are you looking to – sign him on for another year or two or is that a little is bit there, too is dangerous there a team option uh is there a team option at the end of their contract i, I thought believe? he was done at uh i thought he was done coming up after let's see it should be is it this year this year this? i thought it was this year it's this year but know. for some reason i felt like there was an option somewhere Let's take a look. Maybe I could be wrong. Signed a two-year, $38 million contract with the White Sox. Average salary of $19 million. 
And uh, he is here this year, and next year there's a club option. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got him for one more year. I After that's done, I would be kind of, you know, unless he uh, is still going strong and looks really good and you sign him to another two-year deal, um, you know, unless he stays healthy the entire time, I, I kind of would not be surprised. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's go. he's really got to be that workhorse that he's been. For you know, for the last four or five, six years, uh, he's got to continue to do that this season, even for them to pick up that club option next year. Because if he's not, you know, again, you know, the, the the point has been made in the chat as well as yourself that he is getting a little long in the tooth, and he has had all of those seasons where he is, if not the most pitched pitcher in baseball, but he's in the top few where he's got the most innings pitched. There's a lot of wear and tear. Uh, there's a lot of miles on that. So, yes, you know, you put no. the two together. So, I mean, I will agree that he, obviously he's older, so there's going to be some mileage on it, but he was used in relief a lot in the beginning of his no, career. So he's got, he's got lots of up and downs, you know, uh, for, Yeah, you but, know. you know, when you start getting into the age that he is now, start getting into mid-30s yeah, as a pitcher, sure. regardless of what he kind of done in his, you know, early in his career, the, the the real mileage on his arm the last six years has been as a starter. Uh, when we're talking about getting 200 plus innings a season, uh, you know, you could say what you want about him being young. All those mileages are coming at an older age. And you got to wonder, like you said, is that going to be something that can be sustainable for another two seasons? And I'm really not sure that it is. <laughs> So Ladder says, "I dare you! I dare you to say that to his face that Lance Lynn is getting older." Uh, you know I'm a pretty big dude, but I'm not yeah. Tonka size. So yeah, no, that's cool. I'm not going to tell him he's getting old because uh, you know what? I got about 12 years on him, <laughs> so I would kill to be his age at this you know yeah. point in time. So yeah, so the question's being in baseball asked. Baseball years. Questions being asked if Lance Lynn could become a Verlander type where he gets better with age. And the only reason that I'm skeptical of him getting better, well, the only way that I, how about this? The only way that I think he's going to get better is if he changes his pitch mix. And it would have to be like some sort of a, uh, an evolution to where he adds something that's, uh, you know, got a little bit more yeah, horizontal more movement. Speed. Something. Well, the thing is, I mean, the guy throws like four different fastballs. Yeah, that's that's uh, my the, issue. The majority of his pitches are coming in at the top of his arm speed and his arm strength. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't throw a ton of off-speed stuff, and that that can hurt a guy in the in the long run. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm worried about. You know, is that when he you know when he loses a couple miles an hour on his fastball. Um, unless the velocity drop helps the movement on those pitches, I don't see him getting better with age. Um, and you know, like obviously Verlander's still, you know, firing ninety-seven miles an hour. So um, if you know if Lance Lynn can continue to do that, then 
you know, it's anything's possible. Uh, but you know, I mean, Nolan Ryan had that devastating curveball to pair right. pair along with a you know ninety nine one hundred mile an hour fastball um, and a changeup. Um, you don't have that with with Lance, you know, because I mean, you get the no. the sinker, you know, which is has movement on it. But I think that there needs to be something, uh, at least something else that's uh, like a slider or something. Right. He's got the two seamer, the four seamer, the cutter, and the splitter. Uh, you know, unfortunately, as somebody who's pitched a little bit, nowhere near the level of Lance Lynn, I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to try to say that. <laughs> but as somebody as a pitcher, I, I kind of know that a drop in velocity on those pitches doesn't necessarily equate to more movement. Unfortunately, those pitches are designed to move with heavy rotations, but still have the ride that you're not going to get out of a curveball or a slider. So I uh, just by pitch design alone, I don't expect that once the velocity drops, you're going to see much more out of him. And, you know, I'll call it the crochet effect where this guy might get touched up quite a bit. If he loses, you know, one or two miles per hour average on his fastball. Yeah. Hey, thankins. Look at that, that, uh, Luis Robert Jr. emote. That is wonderful. Yeah, it's a pretty one, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I gotta I've been putting it off. I gotta get rid of that uh I gotta get rid of that Abreu emote. I've been putting it off and putting it off. I'm finally gonna do it over the weekend, I think. Yeah, well, especially I hate to see it go, just like I hated to see Jose go. Yeah. But you know, uh with the upcoming opening series in Houston. Yeah, I should probably do it before Facing then. Jose? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh take the hit for that. I don't want anybody What was <laughs> that? I should have got rid of it. I don't want anybody blaming us. White Sox Daily, it's all that, your yeah. fault for not removing that emote. I don't think that's going to be a thing. I don't think anybody's going to blame us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. There's that Joe Kelly emote, though. Oh no, that's a that's a that's Dylan Cease. Yeah, that's Dylan Cease. I do have a Joe Kelly emote, but it's unfortunately it's uh, of Joe Kelly in a Dodgers hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, oh, Audi face, Joe. Yeah, it's from one of uh, me and Rudel's uh, buddies, Ansel Armstrong, who does. Uh, MVP, you know, uh, MLB the show content. He's got that. Uh, he's he's had that emote for a while, and I can't uh, I can't steal it and turn it into a White Sox one and then use it because I'd feel bad. I don't want to steal his emote. Yeah, Thankin says Abreu only Jerry's money could have saved you, and like that's the thing is that you know we've talked about that on here before, and it's I'm not I'm not really mad. That, that he's gone, um, I'm fine with it, really, because um, at some point you have to let, you know, your young buck who you're trying to get into get into playing shape and you keep on throwing him in the outfield where he's not suited to play. And uh, eventually they had to let go of Abreu, um, especially with the way their roster construction is. That's the problem. If they had fixed their roster construction ages ago, then it wouldn't have been a problem. But uh, alas, they did not. And, uh, yeah. 
What are you going to do? Yeah. I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and again, I mean, even if they had fixed roster construction, how long are you going to keep Andrew Vaughn, your number one? Well, I shouldn't say number one, but your first round draft pick in the top, you know, he's drafted three overall, four, three or four overall. Yeah, I think in the draft, uh... Uh, you're not going to keep that guy down for too long, and you're definitely not going to continue to throw him out in the outfield like you have been the last two seasons. So I don't know, even if roster construction was fixed, if that would have changed much at all. Because I don't know if you think Jose takes a. I don't think he ever takes a back seat to Andrew Vaughn at first base, and I don't know if he really embraces want a to. DH role. Yeah, he certainly wouldn't yeah. want to, and he didn't want a DH. That's that's part of the problem, you know, is that uh, you know you got this guy who you think who can put up you know twenty five home runs a year or thirty home runs a year, but yet you, the, your incumbent is sticking around and he's hitting, you know, I mean, last year he didn't and as did nobody on the White Sox, but you know, he's still putting up, (laughs) you know, 25, 30 home runs a year normally and driving in a hundred guys. But the difference is, is that the Astros paid him $20 million a year. And the White Sox were never, no, never going to do that. Probably not. They hadn't done it in his best years. Why would they do it now in his twilight years? And there's the answer of why Jose Abreu is no longer with the White Sox. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you listen to Hawk on the uh, the uh, foul ter- the foul territory uh, podcast, um, he uh, Hawk says that he directly says that Brooks Boyer is the reason why Jerry Reinsdorf is not uh, 100% true to his word anymore. He says it's been a uh, an evolution over the the last couple of years because Brooks Boyer's been around and said his word used to be his bond, but it's not like that anymore. I just don't understand how the head of marketing would be able to force the owner's hand. Yeah, I don't know. Where, where does Brooks Boyer stand in that? in that uh, equation. It's, it's tough for me to fathom. I'm not saying that Hawk is wrong. Yeah, no, it's tough for me to fathom that with all the talking heads in that organization and, and guys who are heads of departments that are actually, you know, baseball departments and not, you know, media, media marketing departments. Why Brooks Boyer of all people? Yeah, I don't know. What is fairly apparent is that Hawk really (laughs) doesn't like him. That's that's what I figured out from that interview. Uh, Thankin says you could see that he really didn't want to be here anymore. And, you know, I I think that probably what the thing was is that he probably obviously saw the writing on the wall. But he also saw what the rest of the team was doing. And he probably didn't want to have anything I was say, to do with that. Did anybody want to be here? Did last anybody year, want to be here last year? Didn't look like it. Last year, it looked I mean, like nobody. Your, your fans are booing some of your better players. They're calling. I mean, there were chants for months calling for the manager's head. The manager who, you know, Tim Anderson, you know, called him like a best friend. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It didn't feel like anybody wanted to be here last no. year. And I honestly can't blame them for some of the. Uh, 
I, the, the, I, I want to use the word theatrics, but I don't know. It wasn't theatrics. There was just, it was a, a, a circus of errors uh, as, as a, you know, a whole organization. Yeah. From the top down, there was just, it was just a comedy of errors. And I don't think I would have, Sox fans didn't want to be a part of it last year. No. I mean, there, the, the, I mean, just think about the the absolute mass exodus from people paying attention. You know, it was like everybody had nothing but negative things to say, and you know, I mean, you said it as well. You know, like it was much easier to turn off a White Sox game last year. Like, I didn't feel. You know what? If they're down five to two going into the into the ninth, I don't need to watch it. You're talking about the ninth. I don't know how many games I didn't even get to the fifth or sixth. Yeah, because it was pretty evident that they were just going through the motions. They were mailing it in. You could see from the first two innings, like this is going to be a clunker right off the bat. Zero energy, zero positive looks on the bench. Everybody looked like they were just half asleep and going through the motions. And let's just get through today. Got to fight to get through today. Fight to take the loss because you you knew it was going to be a loss. <laughs> yeah, work hard for fight that loss. Take, <laughs> fight, it, that's exactly what it felt like. They were fighting to take the loss just to get through the day to get to tomorrow's game. Yeah, they and when tomorrow showed up, neither the, the White Sox still didn't show up. So yeah, it was it was it was brutal, very difficult to watch. I have to say, um, watching Pedro Grifol interact with players and interact with the media has me excited. This, that's one reason I am excited for not, not only one reason, but this is one of the reasons why I'm excited for this season. Um, now he seems to be no nonsense. E sort of, you know, um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I have to imagine that he's probably softer behind uh, closed doors, at least to a point. Um, but my thought about this from the, you know, just from the outside looking in, obviously I don't know exactly how things go. But when I look at it, I kind of think that he has to come into this clubhouse and be a hard ass because of what that team turned into last year. And in order for him to come in and completely change the culture in that locker room, clubhouse, sorry, uh, he's going to have to come in and clean out a couple of guys, which, you know, Larry's We're seeing a little bit looking of like he's yeah. probably not coming back. And, uh, you know, if the performance is, you know, they say performance over contracts. You know, Rick said that, uh, Rick Hahn said that contract would not necessarily mean a whole lot when it came to making a decision about roster space. And, uh, as it should be. Yeah. I mean, merit is definitely the, the best kind of system that you could hope that the White Sox would employ, especially after last year's fiasco. And so yeah. he comes in. Cracks a couple of skulls. Um, I saw one particular uh, thing where Andrew Vaughn's like, uh, he asked, uh, this was right at the beginning of spring training. And he says, did you get your hitting work in? 
And uh, Andrew Vaughn said, uh, yeah, I did, yeah. And he's like, okay, did everybody? And he's like, well, some guys came in a little bit earlier and got their stuff done uh, before we got in. And he's like, oh, it's not going to work like that. Basically saying the whole team is here at the same time. You guys all hit at the same time. You guys get your groups, and that's the way things are going to be done. And he's setting boundaries, and he's letting these guys know exactly what he expects out of them. And I think that probably, you know, if he sees the effort, if he sees the fact that uh, the guys are in line and doing things the way that he wants them done, I kind of feel like we'll see like a softer side of Pedro, you know, as, as yeah, the season goes on. I think that's on. a fantastic point, actually, because you can't really come in like a buzzsaw. You, you can't. I mean, I you know, as like you say, the way things went last year, uh, I don't know if you kind of want to pile on to what was already kind of a dire situation. But yeah, I mean, I, and I honestly hadn't even thought about it that way until you started making some really great points here. I, I'm glad that you brought this up because, uh, you know, you've kind of forced me to think a little bit differently about Pedro's role coming in here and, and think about things in ways that I hadn't thought about them before. So thank you for that. I really do appreciate that uh, that little nugget there. Mm. Sure. Sure. No, I mean, honestly, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you know, you make some really great points. I, he can't come in, you know, he cracked the, cracked the heads that he need to crack a little bit. He need, he, you know, he, he put in, uh, uh, some rules, uh, you know, set some boundaries, uh, which is going to set the tone for some of these guys. Uh, and you know, we've been talking about it for a long time during the TLR reign, uh, and the lack of accountability, and it sounds like that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to hold these guys accountable uh, and get everybody on the same page. And, you know, I just I really agree that I think that's a great point that you're making there, that you can't really come in and and be a complete jerk. Yeah. I mean, you could, but, but you could, you but know. I don't know if it's going to be very effective after, you know, what we've seen. I mean, you don't want to pile on to guys that are already beating themselves up a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. That was, uh, gave me a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the thing is, is also, you know, like he, he's, I I think that, you know, like that, that was one of the main reasons why when, uh, Alberto got hit in the hand, I didn't start immediately panicking that Larry was still going to make the the roster. I mean, I will say that that was the first thought that popped in my head. But <laughs> after I, after I thought about it for a second, I was like, you know what? No, because when Oscar Colas is in the outfield and you hear Pedro Grafal say in an interview, when they ask him if, you know, about his great game or his great play that he made, and then he said, well, I'm more worried about what he did after the great play, which has not hit his cutoff, man. And the fact that he had gone and talked to Colas about hitting his cutoff, man, and getting on him about that, that's how I knew that I was pretty sure that unless it was money-based, Larry was not coming back. Because no matter how many times you tell this idiot to do something, he will go out of his way to make the worst decision possible. And he has shown that throughout his entire career, and it's been increasingly evident in this spring training when he's played. Like, it's been bad. 
you know, yeah. base running mistakes, uh, throwing to the wrong guy, not being in the right spot for being a cutoff guy when he's supposed to be a shortstop. And he's not in line for a cutoff from Luis Robert. Luis Robert, like, lobs the ball in. Like, I got into this big thing with people on, on Twitter about it. Um, oh, yeah, about the throw that bounced into third base. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it got to, I mean, Leary, yeah, Leary went and got it. But the, the, the whole point is, is that I don't care if Leary's not where he's supposed to be. You throw the ball to him and you make it his responsibility to be in the right spot or his responsibility to take the ball and do what he's supposed to do with it. If he's not in the right spot, that's on him. You let him look like the idiot, which he does anyway. You know, right. so to say there's no lack of that going on whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I like so, what Ladder brings up here yeah. too. Go ahead, bring it up. Well, yeah. So in the chat, Ladder Enjoyer says, "Go back and look through all the spring training interviews you read and see how many guys mention attention to detail." And I'm going to go ahead and use the air quotes here, pulling from the same rope. Uh, he says Grafal is a very effective communicator and his message is resonating. And I think that's a, that's a great point because again, it, it kind of just piggybacks on what we've been talking about here the last few minutes, but uh, you know, in order to get guys on the same page, you're going to kind of have to set that tone as a manager. Uh, we saw a, a Tony La Russa the last couple of seasons that, Kind of, he it almost seemed like you know. Well, he's I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do what I have to do. I'm I'm an analytics driven guy. And oh, did you see his at bats? Or have you seen his numbers after two strikes? That's why we walk a guy after two strikes. You know, Tony kind of did. He played that role of like oh, I know what I'm doing. You never saw any kind of accountability. And uh, now, just in the spring training interviews and and all the write ups from any of the different outlets that you've seen. Uh, they all seem to say the same thing. And Pedro is, has set a tone for this team. And I think it's exactly what these guys need. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. And like, the thing is, is that getting, you know, and it's, it's, we're talking about professional baseball players here, but even, you know, you watch, uh, you know, I'm sure that you've probably seen it. And I, I showed it to, to Rudel's. And me and Rudels go through and do this like semi often. Um, he works with uh, Ozzy Albies on his infield work, his glove work, his forehand, his backhand, and the ball that's like right in front of him. He works on this stuff with him every stinking day to get him where he needs to be fundamentally. And the guy is a very good infielder. You know, and it's like if if that's what they're doing there, and this is why we talked about you know Ron Washington as possibly being part of a coaching staff, or you know, high, you know, you know, possibly being like a uh, you know a candidate for a job here. Why we would think that it was okay is because he's back to fundamentals and getting yeah, these be guys. Careful, though, you know, you'll get the people that want to bring up pass indiscretions over the fact that this guy's maybe the best infield coach to grace the baseball field. Yeah, but, you know. for sure. And, and, you know, it, but I mean, I'm just I'm saying, you know, like the the thing that I liked about him very well, or about him very much, is that he is a teacher, he is a communicator, and he will get a team back to fundamental baseball. 
And that's exactly what we've seen from Pedro Grafal. So that's why that's another reason why I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from him so much is because it's so far in the opposite direction from what we've seen from Renteria and now and from TLR as well. Is that we've got somebody that's preaching about doing the little things correctly and that that's how you're going to win baseball games. You know? Absolutely. Because you're not always going to hit home runs. We saw that last year, and then we saw where the record went, you know? So, right. you know, and just to go back, you know, you talk about Pedro Gofal, uh, you know, after being asked about Oscar Colas's great play and him coming back and saying, well, you know, yeah, the, the play was great, but afterwards he missed his cutoff, man. The other thing I want to say about that is when, uh, you know, there was uh, a speculation made by someone during an interview about Oscar Colas making the opening day roster and Pedro turning around and saying, well, you know, I'm not worried about that. He has to make the roster first, you know, before we can even say that he's going to be the opening day right fielder. And to me, he says that he's going to, you know, regardless of what we all pretty much know and believe is going to be a thing. He's still going to hold these guys accountable. He's going to make you compete every stinking day to keep your job and to make sure that you, you not only do you get your job, but you have to keep it. Yeah. And that's, that's something that, you know, we haven't always seen with this team either. It's, and you know, a lot of that goes back to the, the roster construction that we were talking about a little bit earlier. But the fact of the matter is, is even if you're probably the best option, it doesn't mean that he's going to let you get complacent and just go out there and go through the motions and, and keep that position. You know, we're, there's going to be a competition and there's always somebody behind you. So you better go out there and do what you need to do to stay in that lineup every day. Yep. Yep. I think that's a good note. Do you got anything else for this? Uh, anything pressing for this week that you wanted to get into? Did you want to get into no. uh, predictions? Do you want to throw I something mean, out there while we're here? I, well, um, I'll say this. We have been saying, both of us, and, and we're not alone in this, that we're all kind of cautiously optimistic about where this team is headed. Uh, I'll say this. I, as long as health issues, knock on wood, kind of... Uh, I don't want to say, you know, we can't expect a team to fully eradicate all its all its health issues. It's just not going to happen. It's never happened in the history of baseball. But let's say the majority of the core of this team stays healthy this year. If that's the case, I do believe the Sox have a shot at being a 90-win team again. Will I put a solid number on that? No, I won't. <laughs> just because, again, I, I we've been jaded the last couple of years. Uh, and I'm really just kind of show me, just show me. So I don't want to be too bold in my predictions. Just show me if you can, if you can show me then yeah, this is a 90 win team. Well, as I mentioned, uh, when I was on the one Oh eight, uh, bold prediction doesn't necessarily mean a smart prediction, but, uh, oh, I'll go ahead and throw out that. I think they're going to win 92 games and you know, right. like, I'm doing that because I'm trying to be positive and happy about, about the team. Absolutely. And, uh, it, I mean, is it possible that they fall flat on their face? It hundred percent. Of course it is. And you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a, you know, with the, with the difference in the, um, the schedules this year, 
You know, I don't know how much John Rudels says one ten. I like what you're. I like what you're thinking there, John Rudels. Um, I mean, you know, I I don't want do to go into the season like I did last year, where I think I said what I I said eighty three wins or eighty two wins. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, it was either one or the other. And I yeah, was, I think I think I it was eighty two because I was five ahead of you with eighty seven. Yeah, and so. uh, yeah, I ate a little crow on eating a little crow on that one. Well, I mean, you know, but the thing was, is that it wasn't a particularly great record anyway, you know, yeah. but the thing was that we saw the writing on the wall and we saw what, what the team was. Now, I see right. what Pedro Gafal is trying to do. And if he can get those guys to pull out from the same side of the rope and recognize their potential and all, stay, you know, like work to be healthy and strong and push. Like, I think I don't see any reason why they can't do it. I mean, the talent we've said for years now that the, you know, that the talent is there for these guys to take the next step. We just got to see it. Will it happen? I don't know. That's why this is a uh, prognostication. And, uh, I have a, I, I do have one more prediction. That's not so bold, but, uh, I will go really far out on that limb and say that we will not hear once about guys being told not to hustle <laughs> this year. Good night. <laughs> that, that whole thing, man. Yeah. You don't, yeah. Don't run to, don't run to first base. Don't run to oh. first base. Yeah. Just 50%. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You're not going to hear much of that. If you can't play, go to the infirmary <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll get somebody out there that can play baseball at a hundred percent because, right. you know, your your fifty percent good is not better than somebody else's a hundred percent. You know, like I mean, when you saw Luis Robert out there swinging with one hand, do you really think that somebody else wouldn't have been at least slightly more productive than he was for those couple of weeks that he was still up while he was clearly injured and being put in the lineup still? Yeah, and you know that's the thing too. We're talking about a team that couldn't get healthy, and yet we're making them play through injuries instead of trying to get them healthy and to the best possible place that they can be physically. That's it's astounding to me how that was allowed to happen yeah, for an entire sad. season. Oh, and look at all the leg injuries. Well, we only want you to go half. Half speed down first base. But when you really need to like something out, go ahead and go for it. You need to make that play, that, that fantastic play in the outfield. It's no wonder your hammy snaps like a rubber band. Because you never really, I mean, you just let it tighten up. And the one time that you want to go all out, well, guess what? You're not yeah. really fully loose. Yeah, that's how you That's how you get injured. Um, Yeah, we don't half-ass anything. We quarter ass it. All right. So uh, we're coming up to the 90 minute mark here. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and call it for the week. Um, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com. I know I keep on teasing an article. I haven't gotten it yet. So when I get it, it'll be put up. Um, If you are looking for the podcast, if you miss us any one of these streams, you can go and uh, find our podcast in your uh, favorite uh, app or search engines uh of your favorite pods and sh- you know all that stuff uh 
go ahead and like and subscribe, please. Uh, we have a YouTube page and a Facebook group. Uh, just go ahead and search White Sox Daily at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Um, let's hope for a nice and successful 2023 season. Um, it's going to be an adventure, and uh, let's hope that there's not that sense of apathy and there's just uh, hopefully an entire season of just excitement. Um, yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to throw out there before we go tonight. Uh, home opener will be this Monday afternoon. Yes, it will. Uh, myself and I do believe uh, the Eradicator here will be uh, in attendance as well. And if John Rudels. And John Rudels. Rudels! <laughs> uh, if you guys see us, man, say hello. Yeah. Swing by. Uh, let me know that you uh, have listened to us on White Sox Daily, and maybe I'll... Uh, I will uh, share a libation with you. Oh, that sounds like a good plan. So hunt him down, everybody. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, the White Sox, and we will see you next week. Thanks. Have a good night.